What's up, boss? This is Abraham's wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Hey guys, I am alone this week. Steven is en route to sunny Florida where he's going to sit on the beach with his family for a while. And so I wanted to do a quick episode to talk to you about some of the headlines you might be hearing and try to put them in context and give you some action steps to prepare for what we know is coming in the economy, in the world, etc. Before I go there, Stephen and I were reading the reviews of our podcast recently, and there's some mostly there's mostly glowing reviews. So thank you. If you guys haven't left us a review, I would love for you to do that because here's what we're going to do. I think we're going to go through some of these on a future episode, a near future episode, and talk about what's written down. So there's a few ways that you can get in on this action. The best way for us is probably still to go leave a review on Apple Podcasts. So if you have the Apple Podcasts app, you can go there. You can leave us a review. It doesn't have to be a good review, guys. Um, there's some bad. Re- there, there's a one bad review up there right now, and we're going to talk about it at some point. But uh, if you want to blast us, then we might talk about your bad review online. But if you like this podcast, then maybe leave us a great review and we would love to shine some light on you. So if you're interested, do that. If you don't use Apple Podcasts and you want to talk about us some other way, the YouTube channel is a great option. Put a comment. We do read those, even though our YouTube audience is tiny and fledgling. You can be a part of that. Um, And lastly, a quick plug. There will be a link in the show notes of this episode to our Volley channel. That is where we talk to people who listen to the show and they ask questions and sometimes we answer them and sometimes our awesome community of listeners answers them. So check that out. I think it would be um, it would be a shame for you, yep, you, the, the person who's listening to this, not to be a part of our Volley channel where we can share intimate uh, conversations and that that's all I have to say about that. So... This week, I want to talk about recessions. Uh, If you have turned on the news or looked at your telephone or whatever you do to get news recently, you have probably seen headlines about recession. Um, They're focused mostly, I would say, on things that people feel right now. So people are feeling high gas prices and they're feeling the fact that the stock market is tanking. I certainly, as a financial advisor, am talking to people about that all the time. Um, and those aren't really recession indicators, right? Those are those are different. But um, there is a correlation between, for example, the fact that prices are going up. We've talked about inflation here on the pod. And the, uh, the fact that the stock market is dropping. So before we talk about how to deal with a recession, I want to answer the question of, will there even be a recession? Um, in reality, you know, when when prices go up, when inflation becomes high, 
it does tend to have a negative effect on the stock market um, in terms of the at least short-term prices of companies. Now, we've talked about it before here that holding stocks when inflation is high is actually a pretty good move because when you own a portion of a company that makes widgets and widgets get more expensive, that company charges more for their widgets and you get some of that money as a stockholder in the company. Um, however, in the short term, prices tend to drop. And in order to understand why inflation is having such a big impact on the markets, it's important to understand the actions of the Federal Reserve Board. You may have heard headlines about the Fed. Um, the Fed targets an inflation rate. Believe it or not, they don't target it at zero. They are looking for about 2% increase every year in prices. And they use a variety of tools to steer the economy towards that number. Um, and over the past 30 years, the Fed has missed that goal 90% of the time. However, it may not be what you think where they're missing it and inflation is higher than they want. They've actually missed it on the downside. So inflation has been lower than they were targeting. Um, and this is kind of what got us into the pickle that we find ourselves in right now is because the inflation has been so low for quite a long time, uh, the Fed was pretty slow to react when inflation started to creep up in 2020. They saw the increased prices as just a, a transitory effect. Mostly it was being blamed on COVID and the supply chain issues that were caused by COVID and the multiple rounds of stimulus payments that put a bunch of cash into everybody's hands. So this was what was blamed for rising prices. Um, now, over time, we realized this is not just a blip. Prices are going up and they're going up pretty quickly. Um, elevated inflation, you know, is not a momentary phenomenon. So price increases have been exacerbated recently by the, the war in Ukraine. Um, they've been increased by lockdowns in China. I don't know if you know this. China still doing lockdowns for COVID and that's causing more supply chain issues. Um, so what we know now is that the bump in inflation is not something we could just go, well, just wait, wait a couple months and it'll go back down. You know, I'm going to talk a little bit later in this episode about the toilet paper crisis. And there wasn't actually a toilet paper crisis, right? Everybody just went out and went nuts and grabbed all the toilet paper for whatever reason. And we, uh, we had a toilet paper crisis, but it went away really fast. Initially, the Fed was thinking that's what was the story was going to be with inflation didn't end up happening, right? So um, prices have remained high. However, there's some good news. Um, you know, inflation may be near its peak. There's some signs that, that that's the case. Used car prices have started to come down. Um, I was going to say gas prices have come down. They've kind of come down and then come back up a little bit. So by the time this comes out, who knows? I hope they're down because I'm going to be driving to Texas from Utah uh, soon. But um, there are some indicators that price increases are slowing, and that's what we see before they actually come down, is a slowing of the acceleration. So that's good news. Um, but what happens when inflation starts to become high and the Fed acknowledges that it's high is that they try to fight it. And the way that they fight it is by raising interest rates. I'm sure you've heard of the Fed raising rates. Uh, and what they're doing uh, is they're using monetary policy to try and affect the rate at which banks borrow money from each other. Um, and they have a target for that. 
And when they announce a rate raise, that's what they're talking about. Our target has gone up. It was zero at the start of the year. And if the Fed stays on its current trajectory, by the end of the year, we'll have a Fed funds target rate of between three and three and a half percent. So that's a big change. The reason that the Fed is raising rates is because what they're trying to do is cool down the economy. So they want to take a little bit of the money off of the table. When rates were at zero, think about all the super hot growth companies that could just go out and borrow money very cheaply. Um, Investors could not put their money into, for example, treasury bonds because they didn't pay hardly anything. So it was really encouraging people to take their money and go invest it into the market, into businesses. And the goal is let's, let's spur growth by lowering interest rates. When rates get raised, what that does is take money out of the economy and um, theoretically prices come down because there's less money just floating around. Um, the One of the problems with rate hikes is that they don't generally end in what's called a soft landing for the economy. Usually there's some degree of overcorrection that by raising the cost of capital, the economy gets cooled off to the point of a recession. So that's what we're talking about. This hasn't always been the case. 1994 is an example that everybody's talking about kind of in the economics world right now, because in 1994, uh, rates were raised 5% in about a 12-month period, and it did not lead to a recession. Now, I don't think that was the exact same scenario that we're in right now. So spoiler alert, uh, I, I think we probably are on track for a recession. But Um, it's not a given. So before I keep going, I have to define what the heck is a recession. I think that that would be helpful before we just assume the, the technical definition of a recession is a period of temporary economic decline during which trade and industrial activity are reduced, generally identified by a fall in GDP in two successive quarters. Um, So that's the official definition. GDP goes down two quarters in a row. But the experience of the everyday person is generally that this is just a time when there are economic struggles that are widespread. Um, I am hearing a whole lot of, of discussion right now amongst my friends, amongst my clients, and in the news that because of the rate hikes that are happening, interest rates are going up, the stock market is going down, inflation is crazy high we're going to have a recession. And that there's some wisdom to that. We'll talk about that in a second. But what, what most people seem to think when they hear these headlines is that it's going to start on Wednesday, right? Any day now, we're going to have a recession. And that is not really in line with historical precedent. In fact, after a Fed rate hike, it often takes three years before an actual recession begins. So it can happen six weeks after the Fed starts raising rates, but it can happen three years later. And I think that's really important as we talk about how to prepare for a recession, because we don't know. It's just like if you've listened to this podcast very long, you have heard me yammer on over and over that we do not know when the stock market is going up and when the stock market is going down. We also don't know when a recession is going to start and stop. 
Uh, right now, employment is super high, and there's room in the labor force for another approximately 2 million jobs to be added from individuals who stepped out of the labor force during COVID. Um, there's lots of strong indicators in the economy that point to a recession actually being further away than the news might have us believe. So I think that's worth considering. And keep in mind, if you didn't learn it in 2020 and 2021, that the news business is about keeping you nice and worried. So they want you tuned into their programming. And we have proven that fear and anxiety and worry is a fantastic way to do that. Um, I, I picked up my iPhone the other day, yesterday maybe, and there was two headlines in the little news section. One of them said, uh, the stock market will likely drop 75% from its recent peak, which was in no- November of uh, 2021. And I thought, well, that's alarming. And the other headline right next to it said, to brace for an unexpected stock rally of unprecedented levels in the coming months. So nobody has a flipping clue what is going to happen. And I think those two headlines just show you that sensationalism wins the day when it comes to news. Unfortunately, we don't have old Walter Cronkite just reading us the news anymore. And we have to be either scared or whipped up into a frenzy by the news. Otherwise, we won't click. So... I think that the headline here in my question of will there be a recession, there will be a recession. There is a recession every eight to nine years. So the people who predict a recession every year and those people, they do exist. I know my first job out of college, I was working at the International Monetary Fund and there was a guy, this Italian guy with a crazy Italian accent and he always talked like this. It was was very... I felt like he was a caricature, uh, but he was 100% serious with his his Italian accent. Um, Every year, he stood up in front of the World Economic Forum and anybody who would listen, and he was very, very respected and well-known, but every year he talked about the impending financial crisis and massive global recession that was coming. And then I happened to be there in 2007, right before 2008 crisis, and he was just licking his chops like, oh, baby, I am finally going to be right. And that's the truth. So if you predict a recession every year, you're right about every eight or nine years. Um, So be skeptical of anyone who tells you they know with any certainty when the next recession will begin. And all that being said, I do think a recession in the next six to 36 months seems like a pretty good bet right now. Um, I talked about 1994, you know, at the beginning of this cycle in 2020, rates were at zero. So interest rates were zero. That was pretty unprecedented. Hopefully you refinanced your mortgage during that time. in 1994, we are coming from a time just a couple of years before, I think in about 92, when interest rates were, the Fed funds target rate was 8%. So it was really high and they, they had brought it down and they had still a lot of room to go either up or down. So there was a lot of room to, to manipulate the economy with rates. Also, inflation wasn't where it is now. So inflation at historically high levels that we haven't seen since the 70s. So there were some things going in 94 that aren't going for us now. 
that suggests to me it's very likely that we're going to have the opposite of what they call a soft landing. It is a hard landing where we crash and have a, a few quarters of negative growth. So that could happen. I could be wrong and we could just be off to the races any day now. So keep that in mind. But my my real goal in this episode was to give you some thoughts on how you could prepare for a recession. Uh, and there's going to be different things depending on what your scene looks like. But I wanted to first look at some scripture that I think is is relevant for how to prepare for a recession. This comes from Genesis chapter 47. It's Joseph and the famine. There was no food, however, in the whole region because the famine was severe. Both Egypt and Canaan wasted away because of the famine. Joseph collected all the money that was to be found in Egypt and Canaan in payment for the grain they were buying, and he brought it to Pharaoh's palace. When the money of the people of Egypt and Canaan was gone, all Egypt came to Joseph and said, Give us food. Why should we die before your eyes? Our money is all gone. Then bring your livestock, said Joseph. I will sell you food in exchange for your livestock since your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and he gave them food in exchange for their horses, their sheep, and their goats, their cattle, and donkeys. And he brought them through that year with food in exchange for all their livestock. When that year was over, they came to him the following year and said, We cannot hide from our Lord the fact that since our money is gone and our livestock belongs to you, there is nothing left for our Lord except our bodies and our land. Why should we perish before your eyes, we and our land as well? Buy us and our land in exchange for food, and we with our land will be in bondage to Pharaoh. Give us seed so that we may live and not die, and that the land may not become desolate. So Joseph bought all the land in Egypt for Pharaoh. The Egyptians, one and all, sold their fields because the famine was so severe for them. The land became Pharaoh's, and Joseph reduced the people to servitude from one end of Egypt to the other. However, he did not buy the land of the priests because they received a regular allotment from Pharaoh and had enough food from the allotment that Pharaoh gave them. This is why they did not sell their land. Joseph said to the people, Now that I have bought you and your land today for Pharaoh, here is seed for you so that you can plant the ground. But when the crop comes in, give a fifth of it to Pharaoh. The other four-fifths you may keep as seed for the fields and as food for yourselves and your household and your children. You have saved our lives, they said. May we find favor in the eyes of our Lord. We will be in bondage to Pharaoh. So Joseph established a law as concerning the land in Egypt, still in force today, that a fifth of the produce belongs to Pharaoh. It was only the land of the priests that did not become Pharaoh's. So I think that there's some some wisdom, and I thought a lot about Joseph when I was thinking about how to prepare, because Joseph knew that famine was coming. And it's, you know, the story of uh, how his brothers were saved, and eventually all of Israel was saved through Joseph's placement at the right hand of Pharaoh, and his shrewd management through a time of famine um, is a key part of our story. And I, I think that we're not, I, I don't want to over-dramatize uh, the run-up to this moment that we're having right now, but I can. we could draw some parallels, right? I think that, that we can see that there's likely a time of economic difficulty ahead. We don't know how long it will be. Joseph had a good idea of how long it would be, and 
we don't know if it will we don't know with any certainty if it will actually happen unless anybody out there has received prophetic words that we need to incorporate into this episode uh, don't don't actually send me those but i think that like joseph we're kind of looking down into that to that scenario and Joseph used this not only as an opportunity to prepare ahead of time and be ready. He had been storing up grain in Pharaoh's storehouses for years leading to the famine. He also used it as an opportunity to take new land. You know, his job was to work for Pharaoh and he did that well. And when I just read Genesis 47, we heard that he didn't just, you know, have enough grain for Pharaoh's household to make it through. And he didn't just have enough grain for all of Egypt and Canaan to make it through the famine. He also was able to shrewdly manage his affairs during the time to expand his territory. Um, and I think there can be opportunities like that going into a a recessionary period for us. You know, there was times in, in 2020 and 2021 there were moments when I had clients who looked at me and I, they said, hey, I think this is the time when our family like, s- takes a risk and separates ourselves uh, financially. Like, We really can, can make huge strides here at a time when a lot of people are scared or struggling, etc. So there may be opportunities like that ahead for us, and I want you to know how to take advantage of them. But I also just want you to know how to make sure you, you're not losing sleep over some of the headlines um, and what that might look like. So how can you prepare for a recession? Number one, I want to tell you to focus on the emergency fund. If you don't have an emergency fund, you may start now. Remember, despite the headlines, when interest rates start getting raised, you usually have some time before a big recession hits. Uh, so don't panic, but set aside some some money. We recommend three to 12 months of expenses, whatever it costs to run your household for a month. If you don't know what that number is, go back and listen to our budgeting talks. But really quickly, you can go to a site like Mint, plug in your accounts, and just don't even worry about budgeting. Just figure out what you spend in a given month. Multiply that by six is a good median number. You know, some people will use three because they say, hey, I've got I've got three months in cash. And the best place in my estimation to keep that cash is in a high yield savings account somewhere like I really like Ally Bank. Um, A-L-L-Y dot com. And they just, they, they tend to pay a pretty good interest rate, but they are completely safe. So your FDIC insured up to at least $250,000 and totally safe, never going to lose value. Um, right now, I think they pay you a half a percent uh, interest rate. So not phenomenal. But when rates go up, they tend to raise their rates pretty quickly. So I'm expecting their interest rates to go up in the not too distant future. And just sticking cash where you basically forget that it exists until there is a true emergency. And this doesn't mean, hey, my friend invited me to go to the Bahamas next month. And that feels like an emergency. No, this is truly money that is set aside for... I need it to pay my bills uh, because I no longer have income. That is a really good move if you're preparing for a recession. 
Um, layoffs become a real possibility. A lot of us have worked. I used to work for a company that was funded by investors who were looking for mega growth in the company. Um, those companies, a lot of their money is going to dry up and some of them are going to go under. Uh, that's true always, but it's especially true during a recession. So I think it's worth thinking about your industry. You know, if you're in tech startups, you're at higher risk now than than some people. If you do magic shows on cruise ships, then you're more at risk than if you're a nurse. So some industries are more recession proof than others. And it's pretty easy to think about, hey, I'm in an industry where people spend discretionary dollars and I'm either top of the list when it comes to where do you cut expenses or I'm a completely essential and very low risk. So it's worth thinking about that. And, um, you know, I said some people have three months of, of emergency fund. You might have three months if you have a million dollars in investments that you could tap into. And then your emergency fund is really just there to pad you so that you don't have to dip into those investments in a time like now when the stock market is down. Um, you might say, Hey, I'm an entrepreneur and I've got, I need 12 months to feel good because I'm in a totally cyclical industry. I'm a realtor. And, you know, I know there's going to be whole years where I make very little and other years where it's boomtown. So adjust accordingly, but this is a great time to think about the emergency fund. It's also kind of along the same lines, probably not the best time, all things held held equal, to go and do something like pay off your house. Um, if you think about, let's say that you're, you've been saving and you've been working towards paying off your house, um, you might have $50,000 left on your mortgage and you've saved high five, $50,000. Well, if your mortgage payment's $1,500 a month, you could just keep that $50,000 aside and continue to make mortgage payments. And now you've got all that cash should something change. So cash liquidity is a good thing going into periods of uncertainty. Um, that's all I have to say about emergency fund. Don't sell your investments. Uh, I have, I've had a lot of these conversations recently with folks who are saying, Mark, stock market is dropping like a rock. Uh, I'm just, I'm nervous, especially people who maybe they're retired and they're not generating more wealth every, every month. Now, um, you know, recoveries can happen fast or slow, but they do happen. So if you're younger, let's say you're in your thirties or forties or even your fifties, you have plenty of time to see your 401k, your taxable investment accounts, wherever you do investing in the market, it's going to recover in plenty of time. Um, usually these, these blips like we're seeing now, if we look three or four years into the future, we're at significantly higher levels than we were at the bottom of the trough. Um, if we look at March of 2020, we had a big fast dip and then only a couple months later, we were at new all-time highs. So that's what I mean. We don't know with, when it comes to investing whether um, the, the recovery is going to happen in four days and that has happened in the past where all of a sudden, bang, all of the recovery happens in a week. Um, or if it's going to happen very slowly over time, a, a lot of people do try to time the market and they pull money out and sit on the sidelines and say, I'm going to get back in 
when I feel comfortable that things have stabilized. And that is a losing game. Those folks will not, with any kind of dependability, be able to guess correctly when to put their money back in. Um, Even if it is a slow and steady recovery, there will be a few days in there that make up a huge chunk of the recovery. So we don't know when the recovery will happen. We may be at the bottom of the market right now uh, in the decline that we've been experiencing the past couple months. We may be a third of the way to the bottom. We don't know that either. But the point is over longer periods of time, five to 10 years, over 10 year periods, we've never seen the stock market not do well. Um, so that's that's kind of important to, to keep in mind if you're nervous by some of the, the stock headlines. But while I say that, I do think it's worthwhile considering your risk tolerance. So if you are a person who just you lose sleep like crazy because you're all 100% stocks with your investments, you might actually be invested somewhat inappropriately. And you should just pick uh, a portfolio that's a little bit more balanced, that doesn't go up and down quite so much when the market goes up and down. Um, If you're a newer investor, so maybe you've only been investing for two or three years and you went through March 2020 and that big down and then that big huge up, um, you may never have been through a year where we had a negative return in the stock market. And that's a different beast. Somebody told me a couple weeks ago, they said holding stocks in a good market is is like practice and holding stocks in a down market is like the Super Bowl. Because this is actually when you make the money is by sticking with the plan. So I would say gird your loins for the long haul. Make sure that you are invested in the right mix of assets, both for your timeline and for your personal risk tolerance. And then sleep like a baby because over the long period, you're going to be just fine. I read a quote from Elon Musk today that said he he advised businesses to have capital reserves to make it through, quote, irrational times. And this is kind of like uh, having an emergency fund. But if you're a business owner, it definitely makes sense to take a look at how much working capital you need and even what does staffing look like? And what are your key values? Uh, I, I have a friend who during COVID, he runs restaurants and he kept everyone employed and they spent a ton of their own personal money, massive amounts to keep everyone employed. Um, and the result of that was that they were in a position that almost no other restaurants were in as things began to recover. And it was a humongous period of growth for them. Um, That was strategic. Uh, Some businesses, the answer is, let's actually cut our staff all the way down to just the bare minimum and make sure that we have plenty to provide for our family, which is at the core, the most important uh, reason that your business exists if you're an entrepreneur is to provide for your family. Um, So you may want to hunker down and just cut expenses as much as possible, but this is kind of coming back to the toilet paper crisis. You know, Elon is not just talking about have extra money because things are going to be difficult. He's talking about there's going to be some irrational things that happen. Um, And the toilet paper crisis, like I said, it wasn't caused by a lack of toilet paper globally. It was this irrational rush to the supermarket where everybody just decided that was the item we were all going to buy. There may be some weird pricing situations in the world for the next 
whenever this recession happens. And I think that being in a position to take advantage of those, this is where a, a down period, much like what Joseph did, um, could be a time when you really take a ton of ground, either you as a family, if you have a business, it could be your business, but looking at, Hey, we have, we have prepared and are able to be rational and see through kind of a temporary panic and make decisions for the long run that are going to set our family up. Well, um, you know, thinking multi-generationally is, actually a big relief when it comes to financial decisions because you're not you're not trying to get it all done in the next 40 years you're really looking out to how do we plan for the next 200 years and you can plant some seeds when there's a bunch of chaos going on where you say oh people are you know i don't know if this is going to happen but real estate has been crazy running up in most cities prices have been going up maybe there's a big drop in real estate prices and it's your opportunity to acquire a rental property. Um, you know, it, there, who knows what the, what the irrational times are going to bring, but there will likely be uh, opportunities just like when all of the, uh, the Egyptians came to Joseph and eventually sold everything they owned and Joseph used it as an opportunity to lock in a 20% basically tax for Pharaoh on all of the land in the country uh, for perpetuity because he was shrewd and used the resources he had piled up in a time uh, of crisis to, to benefit, you know, what was actually Pharaoh. But we can think about that and say, how would you use, use similar logic to benefit your family um, and your community and ultimately the kingdom of God. So a um, couple other things, just I think it's worth thinking about other income sources at times. Um, it might be worth pursuing some of those now when things aren't going sideways versus later if everybody ends up being strapped for cash. Uh, an example, I've talked about it on the podcast, we have a little lake property. We said, hey, we don't know what, what our scene is going to look like. Our income, you know, my income certainly varies with the success and failure of the stock market. So let's uh, let's rent that place out on a short-term basis and just generate a little bit of extra income. Uh, you may look for opportunities to do things like that just to, to kind of bolster your family's purse uh, leading up to just an unknown time. And somewhat somewhat related i think is pay attention to any adjustable rate loans one of the things driving the likely eventual recession is like i talked about rate hikes interest rates are going up and that trickles down to all sorts of interest rates including if you have an adjustable rate mortgage if you have adjustable rate student loans if you have any credit card debt um all of those might be going up in, in the future. So it's worth thinking about now. I know I said, don't go pay off your house. I'm thinking mostly there uh, of the people who have a fixed rate mortgage. Maybe you have a 30 year fixed rate mortgage. That might be one to just let it sit, especially if you financed it or refinance it during COVID, COVID era when rates were super low on mortgages. Um, but if you have a personal loan or a home equity line of credit or credit card debt that could get two or three times the interest rate that it was before, 
this might be a time to say, well, while things are good, maybe I'll kill that loan, especially if it's a smaller loan that doesn't deplete you of all your cash. So don't don't wipe yourself out of cash. Still keep in mind that um, focusing on the emergency fund is is a good first step. But on the margins, if you have the opportunity to get rid of some variable uh, interest rate loans, I think that that can be that can be a good move going into a period of uncertainty. So those are some steps for recession. I think my headline is still that we don't know if there's a recession coming. It seems like there is. I think that you would be most smart people are saying that there's a recession coming, but. I hope I've given you some tools to at least question anybody who tells you they know exactly what's coming in the future. Um, and we can rely on the fact that there will be a recession. We just don't know exactly when. So I hope I've given you some tools. Take these things, emergency fund, sit tight with your investments, make sure they're they're allocated correctly, and then don't, don't make any uh, sudden movements. Um, prepare for irrational times and even think about leveraging them when they come along. Uh, think about other income sources that you might be able to generate right now while times are good. And um, think about any any adjustable interest rate loans that you have. Those are some steps. I hope those are helpful to you guys. I'm Mark and this is Abraham's Wallet. See you later.